What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. This is Teaching to the Creed, Module 4.0, talking about humility today. And I got to have now retired BMC Jeff Bayless uh, on to talk about that. He was very obviously to me the perfect person to talk about this because that's a it's a big lesson he learned over the course of his life and naval career, which uh, if you want to learn more about Jeff and what I'm talking about and just more of his background experiences, check out episodes 42 particularly, but also 47 and 48. He was on those. You can learn a little bit more about him and and his story Uh, for the episode topic of humility, learning outcome upon completion of this block of instruction, the student will have developed an understanding of humility and servant leadership with the ability to apply the appropriate techniques to given situations on or off the job when dealing with juniors, peers, and senior personnel, and how it relates to the Chief Petty Officer's Creed. The objectives, analyze and discuss the importance of humility as it relates to the CPO Creed, Analyze and discuss the definitions of humility and pride and how they relate to the chief petty officers in leading juniors, peers, and senior personnel, and explain the spectrum of pride and how it relates to being a chief petty officer. Curriculum Development Resources, Laying the Keel, May 2019. Navy Leader Development Framework, version 3.0, May 2019. Humility is the New Smart, Catherine Ludwig and Edward D. Hess, Baton Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. And with that, uh, we'll get into it. So here we go. Uh, so the objectives of this one is, as I discussed in the introduction, is we're going to analyze and discuss the importance of humility in relation to CPO Creed, analyze and discuss the definitions of humility and pride, and then how they relate to chiefs and how we do our job, and then explain the spectrum of pride and how we can definitely fall into some traps uh, in relation to that as well. So I'm going to read the, the slide with the excerpt from the CPO Creed. So your responsibilities and privileges do not appear in print. They have no official standing. They cannot be referred to by name, number, nor file. They have existed for over 100 years. Chiefs before you have freely accepted responsibility beyond the call of printed assignment. Their actions and their performance demand the respect of their seniors as well as their juniors. So I read every single one of these as we get in, and then there's questions related to them to get the discussion going. So uh, I'll, st- I'll just start off with the first one, man. It's, what does this phrase mean? Their actions and their performance demand the respect of their seniors as well as their juniors. Go ahead, man. <laughs> Every yeah. one of these gets me keyed up. So like I try to sure. bite my tongue and let you go first. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, your actions and your performance, uh, you know, this is why we do evaluations, right? This is why right. we do midterm counseling. This is why we have daily counseling. This is why we have quarters, right? Because we're trying to ensure that you understand what the expectations are. And if you, if you set those expectations up and down the chain of command, it goes both ways, right? Like sometimes right. you think you're going to go into a room and mentor someone, but they end up mentoring you, right? Yeah. So uh, I think really to demand respect, uh, it's it's more, I, I don't even know if I would say demand the respect, but I would say that it, it definitely, there's a standard to be met, right? And that yeah. that, sh- that should go both ways. And I think too, like one of the things that I, I noted as I was going through the lesson plan was I almost feel like as it says, it says their actions and their performance demand the respect of their seniors as well as their juniors. And I'm thinking about it like their actions as in my actions and my performance. Well, it's like, my actions are based on what my juniors need and my performance is their performance. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like we're judged on 
the results that they create. So it's like, I don't know. I was looking at it like I almost felt every time I I've, I've see something worded that way in relation to Chiefs where it's talking about like me or I or whatever. It's like, I, that's not what we do. And so I was like a little ans- in answering the question. I was a little like, that's not if I demand respect, it's because I'm being the chief that they need. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I'm, I'm performing at the level that they need me to. Uh, and giving them all the things they need, meeting all of their needs, right? And so I was like, well, and it same thing with you, my seniors, I guess. Doesn't do you, know? do you any good to take credit, right? And you know, right? You know, right. I, I don't need credit. Uh, what I need is you guys to feel like you're part of the tribe, part of the team, and that you accomplished something as a team, right? As as a tribe, as a community, that we were successful, uh, right? So I agree. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And same. I think we already kind of tackled the there's another question. This is what does it mean to demand respect? I mean, we just that's exactly what we just talked about. But there's one that it says, how important is it to you that your seniors and juniors respect you? Hmm. Yeah, I definitely I desire uh, as a leader, I desire. And I think maybe this is where some people miss the, the mark on or, mm. or don't hit the bullseye is that they worry so much about the respect of their seniors. You know, what is my what is my eval going to say? Did, did it or let's yeah. say if you're in a dangerous situation. Right. And, you know, it's the wrong decision, uh, but you go ahead and do it anyway because you're afraid to tell the CEO that it's not safe or it can't be done. Right. So right. I, I say with this one, it's more important to that have the respect of your juniors, right? I mean, I would rather my team respect me and hopefully that facilitates my my boss respecting me as well, right? Right. It's definitely step one, I would think. Like, yeah, if your juniors aren't respecting you, your division's probably a dumpster fire. <laughs> <And then> <laughs> yeah. Your seniors are going to be like, what is going on over there? But I'm, I, yeah, I think about it like I... I, I wonder if as we ask these questions, if what you just described with like evals and all those other things that people are concerned about, that's almost like I'm more concerned with approval where it's like, do we know what respect actually means? Because I can I can have a commander that doesn't like me, but respects me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I had a conversation with a, a junior is uh, the humble pie spin the yarn. Yep. Where, that one. yeah, he was a kid that he was one of my problem children when on my first chiefs tour and I could not figure out what to do with this kid and i tried everything and we just got i got to the point where i was just like ready to for njp and just like this kid needs to go away he clearly doesn't get it and it was before i i was as mature and had the understanding that i do now and then uh the guy that relieved me had a little more success with him but not really and he was towards the end of his time there anyway and then he went to another submarine where he had leadership there. And it was more of like a command culture that uh, just, it, I don't know, like it was a combination of a, a fresh start and different leadership and different culture. And and he just flourished while he was there. He got mapped to second and all this other stuff. And so I looked at it like, okay, what did I do wrong? You know what I mean? Like, what did I, what did, how come I couldn't figure it out? Why did, why did not, wasn't I the leader that he needed? Mm-hmm. And coming back and talking to him after the fact, which I was I was really happy I was able to do that. We sat down for 30 or 40 minutes uh, and had a conversation about that. I was like, what was it me or was it you or was it a combination of both? Like what what did I not do as a leader that you needed? And a lot of it was like he was like, it was me being not as mature as I needed to be and not understanding what you were trying to do. And he's like, I'm not going to lie. Some of it was you sometimes, too, but most of it was me and. And I like we talked back and forth about it. And it was like he's like, I have 
a lot of appreciation for what you did at the time because now I understand it. Back then I didn't. And so I would I have told you then that I respected you? Probably not. But he's like, I have a lot of uh, appreciation and respect for what you did back then because it helped me when I got because he got to another leader that said a lot of the same things. And then he got to a new unit and a bunch of leadership that were saying the same things. And he's like, oh, <laughs> like the, <laughs> this, this is just is, how yeah. they do things here. Right. And like, so it was like retroactive. But that's what I looked at as like a real lean definition of respect you know what i mean like it was he hated me and there's a lot of times where i would have said the same thing about him but i never stopped investing in him until i was gone and then when uh he got new leadership they did and and he kind of got there eventually and so like he re- he respected me even though he didn't know it yet <laughs> he like right. developed it over time and so i wonder if like when we talk about it it's like as you're chasing approval mechanisms or as you're chasing a ranking or an EP or an award or whatever, a position promotion, those things I feel like are just a byproduct of you earning the respect of your juniors and your seniors. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think too, uh, what comes to mind is the ego, right? And I don't, I mean that as a philosophy, not as uh, I have excessive hubris, right? Like I don't mean to be egotistical. What I mean is ego in that you had this understanding of your part of the system, right? Or your part yeah. of the team. And so you're always thinking about what could I do better or what, what, what is it about me that's not working out? Or, you know, right. how can I, how can I do better? What, what am I doing wrong? And then, so what, what fixes that ego uh, and what fix or what, what salves that is the idea that you're going to get some validation for uh, doing a good job. Right. And even if that validation right. is just, Hey, this is your space and you own this compartment, right? Yeah. And and your compartment is squared away. It doesn't have yeah. to be an award or a 5-0 eval. Uh, but I think as human beings, we're all seeking some sort of validation For due sure. to the fact that we have egos, right? Yeah. And I think too, like the, cause like I get all of my job satisfaction from people that flourish as a result of anything that I had anything to do with. Right. Like, cause like exactly. I, I go back to the two, my two favorite sayings of yours is, <laughs> is, uh, and I quote them all the time on the podcast is the rising tides raise all boats and the universe is going to conspire to help you. And it's like, those are right. byproducts of you just doing the right things. And so it's like, if you, if you n- are really trying to earn the trust and respect of juniors and seniors, which it starts with your juniors, it's like those are that's just going to happen. You know what I mean? Like all of that validation is going to happen just as a byproduct where you don't have to chase a number one EP. It's going to come as a result of you just focusing on getting the respect of your juniors and then by virtue of that, your seniors. And it's like, well, here's one of those. Here's another good quote that I have. You know, it's saying exactly <laughs> what it's saying, exactly what you're saying. But I just okay. s- say it a little shorter is like lay it on me. If you worried about your value system and your character, you wouldn't have to worry about your reputation and your legacy because it would just take care of itself, you know? For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you worry about the, the making the sausage, you know, the, 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 to relate it to a cook, I know you're going to appreciate yeah. this, you know, if you're making I the sausage, it. right, the, the, the rest of things will take care of itself. You know, you got to. Yeah. You got to actually. The meal's going to happen if you actually make the sausage. Yeah. Right. I like it. I dig yeah. it. <laughs> I'm big yeah. on cook puns. So the next question is, uh, it's basically to put out to a facilitated group, but provide an example during the process of initiation or any other time you were chiefing, basically, that a chief demanded respect through something other than their actions or performance. And then what was the result? 
Yeah, I don't. I think you should always. I think it would not be good because. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. It should be all centered on your actions and performance. You know. I mean. Yeah. It shouldn't. It's yeah, look at me because I drive question. a nice truck, or you know, yeah. like, like kind of I, a loaded question. Well, yeah. I. I I, the first thing I thought of, like I wrote likely negative and I was like <laughs> dot, dot, dot. But it was like the first thing I thought of was because I'm a chief and I said so type of stuff. You yeah. Know? Like it's use like just using and abusing the very legitimate authority that comes with the rank and uniform. But it's you're not going to get anything done by that. And all you're going to do is lose respect by consistently beating that drum. It's like. Well, let me let me give you an example of something that I did wrong as a commissioned officer is I thought that because I was a chief before I was an ensign, that that made me superior to other uh, LDOs and other ensigns. Right. Uh, And and I would remind them of it, you know, (laughs) that's that's interesting. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, you were never a chief. I was. So like, you don't get it. Right. So, Um, yeah, I, I know in all these things and have all this experience that you don't. So it makes me better. Right. And that, you know, I'm not to say that an an officer that would commission, I I do think you have an advantage, right? Uh, Right. Sure. It it is an advantage, but it doesn't make you superior in any way, shape or form. Right. uh, Because if you're creating a meritocracy in the workspace, uh, you know, obviously we have to pay attention to rank and structure. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I would allow someone not to call me sir or chief or whatever the title is. Right. Uh, I I typically am just cool with boats, but, uh, you know, yeah. The, we got to maintain the, the the standard of the formality. However, uh, me reminding people that I was a chief before I got commissioned didn't earn me any respect. Uh, in fact, it probably worked in the opposite. Uh, right. And I would think all it would really be is like a a mechanism for you to help train other ensigns that were right there with you that didn't have that same like background and experience. You know exactly. I mean? like, yeah. But it would take a ton of humility to be in that position and not go down the road that you did. You know what I mean? Where it's like, cause I, I could see myself doing that too. Like if I was ever in that position where I'm in their peer group, but I'm it's, we're not the same thing. You know what I right. mean? Like, well, I think that's, I think that's why a lot of people uh, apply for the chief warrant officer program because they right. can say, Hey, well, you automatically know I was a chief, right? I don't have to say yeah. it. I can project this just by, and, and I'm not knocking the chief warrant officer program. I have tons of respect for the program right. and I have tons of friends. My best friend in the world is a W5. So I'm not yeah. knocking the program. Uh, but there are some people that their idea is to project uh, and that doesn't gain any respect. You know, I think you need to yeah, like you said, you need to kind of be humble about it because they'll find out anyway. You know, if they yeah. care, they'll ask you like, hey, were, were you a chief? Or as you're telling a sea story, you'll be like, you know, it's one time in 2009 when I made chief. I remember this happening, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't need to just kick in the door and be like, hey, I was a chief. You will respect me. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't yeah. work out, man. It didn't work yeah. out at all. So the fact, they yeah. just feared me, right? It just created a, a, a negative work environment for a short amount of time. So Sure. And this question too made me think a lot about just like the, I, I, I've spent a lot of time thought experimenting, humanizing chiefs and how important it is to let junior sailors know kind of the opposite of what we're conditioned to think and do as we've, as we came up. And, and I think we're a little better about it nowadays, but not a lot because like Facebook reminded me that I've been a chief for nine years yesterday. Yeah, and, I saw uh, that. <laughs> yeah. And so back then it was like I, it was it wasn't like this at all where it was it was totally different in that it they kind of expected us to be these pillars and exemplars which I don't think is entirely bad but at the same time I think it's really important 
to be able to have a rapport and for junior sailors to be able to relate and then trust, it's like, I got to humanize myself. I got to let them know like, yes, I'm in this position now, but I'm just a sailor like you. I came from the exact same place, went through the exact same footprints you're putting in the sand right now. Like I did all the same things and I'm still a sailor. I'm still a submariner. I'm still a CS. I'm still whatever, but I'm, more equipped and and have the authority now to help you better. And it's like, unless I humanize myself in a way that they can relate and, and like have some common ground with me, they're not going to trust me. They're not going to want to communicate with me. And then I'm going to have trouble gaining their respect. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I, there's a ton of humility that's built into that mechanism is like, I have to humanize myself in a way that they don't think that I'm, I live, breathe, eat and sleep chief, you know, like that. I am right. like sleeping in my khakis. Like it's not, <laughs> well, it's I, not my I identity done that before, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my identity. It's a thing that I do. And the primary driver of the thing that I do is taking care of these junior sailors. And so that humanization piece, I think is, is a big, yeah, big it's, part it, of it. It's what you do. It's not who you are. And that's, those are two separate things, but it's kind of intertwined. And when people interview me or ask me about mental health questions, Uh, You know, I I typically the where I go to naturally without even thinking about it is the understanding. And maybe it was an epiphany for me with my own mental health was that we're all in the spectrum somewhere. Right. So there's no all or nothing. There's no black or white, even though in naval doctrine, you know, of course, there's black and white. Like the food has to be cooked to a certain temperature. (laughs) The The anchor chain has to be passed. You know, the writing stopper and the housing stopper have to straddle the detachable link. You know, I mean, there are things that are the way they need to be for a reason. And when it comes to human experiences, like you're talking about, we're all in the spectrum somewhere with our pride, with our humility, with, right. you know, what drives us, what motivates us. And I think that's kind of a good realization to come to is like, okay, where am I on the spectrum? It's not a yes or no thing. It's not like, you know, hey, I'm a chief now. These are the things that, like you said, and oh, I'm a chief now. I sleep in my khakis and this is all I do, right? You're on the spectrum somewhere. So there are some people. And I'm one of them that is gung ho Navy, you know, like yeah. I'm, oh, I'm covered ditto, with man. Navy tattoos. Yeah. Like I'm just see the room I'm standing in right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I got a I love me wall, dude, for sure. It looks, yeah. Well, no, I mean, this whole room, it looks like John Paul Jones vomited all over the walls. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should invite me over for a cup of coffee. The, sometime yeah. After if there's, I'll, I'll yeah. send you some pictures afterwards. It's like it's if there was any doubt that I was a Kool-Aid drinking true believer, this will beat it out of you. Yeah. Well, you know, I just say that to give some understanding and maybe some perspective that it's okay yeah. to understand you're on the spectrum, but just be self-aware enough to know where that is. That right. Way, and I, yeah. I think you can be both too. like where we talk about and we'll get to, I have it written in the outline somewhere later, but like that, that like just coffee pumping through their veins, like black coffee pump through their veins and like pirate sticker, like type of chief that sleeps in their khakis. It's like, I feel like you can be that. And be um, uh, like a humble, like humanized version of a chief too. like, I don't think it, t- it takes a mature, self-aware person like you just described to understand kind of where you are to to be that person. But it's like, I think you can I think you can do both. And like, I don't have stickers all over my car or whatever, but that's just a stupid personal choice that has nothing to do with that perception. Like if Same. I wanted to, I'd, I'd have a giant pirate sticker on my on my truck. But. Same um, here. I mean, I'm, I'm covered in Navy tattoos. So, I mean, right, I am, exactly. a, I am like, a sticker. I'm a are, billboard. walking, talking. Yeah. Pirate <laughs> yeah. sticker. But yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. nobody's ever called me that before. That's there cool. you go. Walking, talking, pirate sticker. You're welcome. I love it. Um, yeah. But like the 
Yeah, I think you could definitely do both. And I have a buddy that is like a great example of it where it's like he can be loud and brash and and he's definitely got chief stickers on his truck. And and yeah. he's that type of dude that you probably outside of work, never catch him outside of a chief T-shirt. But at the same time, he's the guy that I that invited me because he understood how I appreciate like heritage and tradition and and leadership stuff. He like invited me to the machinery room when they promoted uh, all his enlisted sailors on my last deployment. They did like the traditional version of tacking on crows where people took right. turns throwing a stitch on their FRVs. And I well, was like, man, I almost cried, dude. I was yeah. like, this is so cool. I mean, that um, doesn't, you're right. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean that you're, there's nothing wrong with that. That is in fact, quite the opposite. That is amazing. I mean, I used to do things right. like that too, like buy belt buckles for my division that had cross drinkers on them just to try to instill some esprit de corps. Some pride. You know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's I, again, like you say pride and you're like, Oh, pride's a downfall, blah, blah. It's like, Oh, it can be. It's well, not excessive, all bad. excessive pride. Right. Excessive right. pride. All right. So we'll move on to there's, they define everything uh, in these lessons. It seems like, which is I'm a fan of, I use definitions a lot. So I'm going to read the definitions of humility and pride. So humility is defined as the freedom from pride or arrogance, which is ironic because I'm about to define pride and uh, also the quality or state of being humble. Uh, And then pride defined as uh, a reasonable or justifiable self-respect. And then the second definition is delight or elation arising from some act, possession, or relationship, which I think is kind of interesting how they they almost are competing definitions. Like some one is like normal and the other one's too much. But uh, yeah. first questions: What do these definitions mean to you, and what does humility look like to you? So I think what humility looks like for me is making it not about you, right? Um, right hubris is another word they should add to this, uh, mm-hmm. honestly, as a definition, you know, hubris is excessive pride. Uh, right. and you know, I tell the story a lot about Icarus and you can Google it, but basically he flew too close to the sun and his wings fell off and he fell from grace and went to hell. Uh, that, that story is all about hubris. Uh, so me, humility is the removal of hubris, right? So it doesn't mean that you don't have pride. It just means that you don't have excessive pride. Right. Yeah. It's, they're not just because you're humble doesn't mean you don't have pride. I'm very proud of my career, man. You know, right. I'm very proud of the accomplishments I made, the accomplishments of those that I've led. I've, I've had sailors say, hey, man, you saved my life. Yeah. I'm proud of that, man, because that, that, that took a lot of pain for me to be vulnerable with them. It took a lot of work. You know, it took a lot of time, took a lot of effort, took a lot of, quite honestly, some guts, you know? Um, Yeah. And you're talking about like via what you did with like going around and talking and stuff too, right? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Cause I saw in your, like just the comments on the video and stuff like, Oh my God, this is exactly what I needed or this saved my life or whatever. And it's like, that's insane. And it's like, there's people that look at that too. I was going to say like, one of the things that I, I read into when I was thinking about this question was the the people out there that use humility as like a front for their mm. hubris. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, yeah, where course. they're like pretending to be humble and letting everybody know, God, I'm so humble. Look at how humble I am. I did yeah. these things. And and so like that and my initial reaction to your video when it got sent to me before I actually like talked to you and had watched the video I was like, oh, here's another one of these like look at me projects. And and so I I immediately judged it on the surface as hubris where it was like, oh, this guy's just like 
wants to be Navy famous. Um, I did the same thing to Grant Khan. It was just like my initial knee jerk reaction. And then once I actually looked into him, I'm like, no, this dude is like standing naked in front of a crowd of a crowd of people. Like I was listening to Brene Brown's uh, Daring Greatly this morning. Yes. Thank you for that. And, and she's talking about like being vulnerable and, and what it feels like. And they did all this research. And the, she said the comment that showed up the most was people described it as a feeling of being naked in front of a group of people. And it was like mm-hmm. when I once I looked into it and read it, it was like, like, no, initially I'm judging it because I feel uncomfortable watching like Grant Khan put himself out there on Reddit or you put yourself out there on a stage like in front of a giant group of sailors and all these like leaders and all these people. And it was interesting once I did like let it let it play and like let myself not, not be make it about you five seconds. Yeah. 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 Not make it about me and my insecurities as I'm watching it. I was like, Oh my God. Like, cause, and I think a lot of people react to it that way. Cause like I've mm-hmm. had people ask me about you and like, is that dude really like that? Or is he super arrogant? And I'm like, no, like he's really like that man. And it's not <laughs> <Yeah>. like, it's <laughs> because they make that snap judgment of like, he's doing it for him, not for these people. And I'm like, dude, no one gets on stage and does what he just did for himself. Like that's not getting paid, you know? (laughs) Well, not only that, but again, like the Brene Brown stuff is, I I just finished her other book. So it's like right at the forefront of my mind. But as she talks about shame, it's like nobody goes into that place and like exposes themselves in, in that way where they're just sharing all their shameful moments so that you can learn from them because they want to inflate their ego. Like it doesn't make no. sense. That doesn't even compute. So no. that kind of thing where it's like, there's, there's people that do it where they are doing like they're, they're using humility as like a mechanism to actually just be prideful, just to relish in their own hubris. And then you see people like you and Grant that it's like, I, my insecurities and my snap judgment made me think initially. And I think a lot of people probably do just snap judge and move on, which sucks, but well, let me just tell that, you, man, like, you know, you know it's not that at all. There's a lesson here. Uh, you know, I'll, and I'll just share it here again. I'll, I'll just be very honest and, and vulnerable with exactly how it feels. You know, my, you can't tell because I'm in type threes, but if I was in khakis, you would see that my armpits are extra. I'm profusely sweating with anxiety. Uh, right my heart rate is through the roof and it's not because I'm nervous. And I mean, I can give a towing evolution brief to an admiral and have no problem with that. Right. Like, so it is not easy. It is not fun. It is not, it's a worthy cause. You know what I mean? Like you, you asked me to come on here and talk about humility and I I appreciate that. That's, that's super awesome. But I don't look at it as another opportunity for me to ratchet jaw for an hour with you. You know, I think of it as this is going to be of service to someone else and right. let me let me not allow my insecurity uh, to not let me do the work that is a worthy cause. But I, I still think it's OK to be proud of. Yeah. Pride has a negative connotation sometimes, but it's OK yeah. to be proud if you're actually in the arena and you're you're doing yeah. the work and yep. your hands are dirty. It's OK to be yep. proud of that, man. And, and I think and to, there's yeah. an evaluation that needs to happen to make sure like, yeah, I'm almost like a like a you, you have a backstop to to as that mo- proud moment happens because i do i do that like i get a moment of like i'll get a message on the on the platform saying hey thank you so much everything you're doing is amazing blah blah, blah. and i'm like yeah fires you like, up right yeah. that's like why i'm doing it or i'll get yep. an email from a chief saying thank you for doing this we use your uh podcast for training for like sailor 360 training and that's like 
I like run around the house like screaming when that happens. That's the whole point, dude. Like that's why that's exactly what I dreamt of when I first started this. Same here. You know, it's the uh, the the video. You know, if I if they can't get me out to do it in person, I'm like, just take the video and show it. That's fine. You know what I mean? It would be better in person, but just take the the lesson gets there. I don't need the accolades. Like I just want the good to come out of the product. Yeah. Brene Brown also talks about this is good to talk about pride and humility. Brene Brown talks about. We should just reference in the show notes, Brene Brown. I will, dude. I <laughs> yeah. will. I'll put all yeah. her books and all that stuff. And yeah. she has TED Talks and Netflix yes. special, all kinds of stuff. So Brene Brown now is kind of famous, right? And she was talking, it might have even been to like Oprah or somebody like that. And she was talking about how she never wanted to be famous. She didn't need to be right. rich. Like her, I think her husband is pretty successful. Um, but she's a like a pediatrician. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say a doctor. Yeah. But so, you know, she didn't need to be rich and famous. And I don't know that she's even rich. People think authors are rich and they're not. But she is mildly successful or what, like a B or C less celebrity. But what, you know, she definitely gets recognized in public. Right. And so what she said was it was pretty profound, man, because she was saying, I have all of this insecurity about that. And I didn't want that. But anybody that spends themselves in a worthy cause, and I'm paraphrasing, but anybody that does something good that they think the, the universe can benefit from, why would you not give that gift to the world? Like, why would yeah. you, anybody that does work wants it to do well, right? You know, sure. if, if you cook a meal, you want it to be, taste good. You know, if you, yeah. if you, if you're doing the D guts podcast, you want it to reach as many people as possible so that they can yep. benefit from what I'm you're trying still, to do. I'm still terrified of ever going viral like she did, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm not that I don't want it to, but I'm t- I'm terrified of the same things that she's probably talking about. I do like, I, I do like going to Walmart and, and blending stuff. in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't ever want that level of of anonymity taken away from me. But what are some positive and negative attributes of humility, and what do these attributes look like? Does humility lead to strength and or weakness? So I'll I'll hone in on the negative attributes first. I think we just covered that, so we don't really need to again. Yeah. The negative attributes could be that you would hold yourself back from doing something that's beneficial to the to the organization or to just yeah. human, quite honestly, just to society in general, right? So that that could be a negative attribute, in my opinion. Uh, the positive attribute is that you're relatable. If you're humble, you're a dude somebody can talk to, uh, and and they look like listening, asking questions. Uh, it looks like being actually curious in someone else and trying to see what's really going on with them and not make it about you. Uh, and I think that that humility does lead to strength, not weakness, because you're going to be a, a more effective leader if anyone that is in your realm can trust you, knows you're humble, knows they can talk to you and that you'll listen and ask questions. And, you know, I don't even give advice anymore, man. I just ask questions so that they can come to yeah. their own own re- you know realization. So it's not my decision. Like, I'll just say, well, how does that make you feel? Well, do you think this is a likely outcome or what do you think yeah. the outcome is of that? Right. So I think I, I think I answered that pretty good. I, I get yeah, on, a, I get on the chair too, man. Yeah. I could see, again, it's kind of like the misinterpretation, like I was talking about with respect of humility as I think you've probably encountered much as I have like a chief that there's a difference between like humility and them being weak is the wrong word. Almost like, timid and just an inability to make yeah inability to make a decision and inability to speak up when necessary it's not not assertive they're not Mm -hmm. it's not i i i hesitate to call it weakness but it's an it's interpreted that way i would i would be pretty confident in saying that most people are like yeah that guy's weak 
if, if you ask that question, like, oh, yeah, that Chiefs week. And they know they can run them over a ranking board or, or a awards board or whatever. And that's a mm-hmm. problem because we talk a lot during the season about them. You like a chief is your voice in the mess, your representation in the mess. And I, I think that almost the, the far end of the, the humble chief that is still do still has the, the tools necessary to get all those things done is like the, the guy or gal sitting in the corner that kind of is just sitting there observing, pondering, and then, when they come in, they come in with like just an elbow from the top rope. You know what I mean? Like yeah, right. When they speak, which is not as often as everybody else and may not be as loud as everybody else. But when they do speak, it it like hits harder. But yeah, I think there's definitely leaders out there that that kind of hide behind their insecurities. Maybe they're a new chief and they don't think that they have a right to speak up or or uh, I've met cook chiefs like me, dude, that like we've we grow up thinking we're not as good as everyone else because that's what people like to tell us. It's not everybody, but it's a pretty prevalent view in in my career field is like that. Oh, we're dumb because we're cooks and we don't stand watch like everybody else and we don't do all. And it's like it's none of it's true, but it's it's just a bunch of smart people saying a bunch of really dumb stuff because that's how they were indoctrinated when they came in the Navy. But. Um, well, to your to your earlier point, I think I want to highlight something that you said, actually, is, you know, if your humility or your attempt at humility makes you unable to uh, make a decision, then you're taking it too far. It's a problem. Yeah, right. For if sure. You're, if you're a leader, you need to be able to make a decision right or wrong, live with it, own it, take the accountability and responsibility. If you were the one that made the decision. Right. I mean, there's a difference in accountability and responsibility, but that's a whole nother topic. But. Yeah, I, I think that would be a negative. You kind of said it. I'm just saying it again. You know, that could right. be a negative uh, thing is inability to make a decision. Uh, that could be a negative attribute of an attempt at humility, not well placed. Yeah, I think it's almost like it's humility plus like there's just like a meekness to that mm-hmm. person. And it's like they just need to work on all. It's not like there's plenty of people that have been like that, that have worked through that. It's not like you can't learn the tools uh, to overcome those things, but it's something that there, there are sailors out there that are going to have that kind of a struggle in an environment where there's a whole lot of loud alphas in that room a lot of the time. And it's like, you got to figure out how to navigate that environment so that you are an effective chief and you can, and there's ways to do it. You just have to spend the time working on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. You said that perfectly. Yeah. So <laughs> provide an example when someone effectively led through humility, humility. Hmm. I'll, I'll let you take that one first. Yeah. What yeah, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, man. Like I've, I've definitely had leaders do it. The, the one that the ones that jump out at me is when people just made themselves relatable to me. And I think that I got really lucky having a lot of chiefs. Some of it was just them being submariners. Cause like we're a pretty close knit group, but I've, there's a lot of submarine chiefs when I was junior enlisted that didn't do this. Mm-hmm. where um, I was really fortunate with the last chief I had on my first submarine and then both of the chiefs I had on my first shore duty being super relatable. Like I could yeah. always go talk to them. I knew I could tell them anything and that they would, even if they had to take me down a notch as a result of what came out of my mouth, I was positive they were going to do what was best for me. Like if I needed help, I was going to get help. If I needed training or accountability or mentorship or counseling or whatever, they were going to take care of me. There there might be a moment where they're going to chin check me first, but then I'm 100% going to get whatever I need. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I knew I could go to them. I knew I could always talk to them. And, and so like that, you, it's like you just knew it wasn't about them. And it's not like they weren't concerned with advancement and they weren't concerned with all other prideful things that every, any human being with an ego on the planet Earth is going to be concerned with in, some, in one way or another. Yeah. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's they were definitely humble and they were definitely about their sailors first. Right. Yeah, I think I, I'm careful to say names on here just because it, not it wouldn't be a negative yeah. light. It, it would also it would actually be a positive thing, but I just don't know how comfortable right. some of these. No, I do. Would be. I yeah. I definitely end up bleeping them out most times just because I don't <laughs> want people. Yeah, they unnecess- just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They might not just feel comfortable <laughs> about it. But what I would say a character trait, and I could give some examples briefly of times where I felt that I was being led uh, by a humble leader was when never any fraternization, but. For example, I had a Commodore that wanted to go look at the preservation of the ships. And then we had a real conversation about mental health and one of the sailors. And it was kind of a closed door kind of situation. It wasn't unprofessional or anything like that. But he didn't look at me, you know, as a chief and say, well, he doesn't have anything to offer me. Right. Like this guy actually did a lot of homework on this, has read a lot of books about this stuff and talks about it a lot. So I'm curious what his frame of uh, framework would be for what is going on with this individual. Right. Um, Yeah. So again, not unprofessional, but the just even little things like, hey, uh, when I when I was an officer, I had a CO that was uh, very uh, very even keeled, very mild mannered, also not afraid to make decisions though. Uh, but he was yeah. he was very he was very polite. You know, if he had to, he'd make a hard decision. Uh, but he was very polite. You know, like at captain's mess, he'd be like, you know, I'm really sorry that you did this, but unfortunately, if you do drugs in the Navy, I don't have a choice. Like you, you have right. to go to the admin set board. He was nice about it, but he did what he had I to love do. That. Right. Yeah. No, I love that because what's the, you don't, I, we, I talked about that on one of the recent episodes that I think it's coming out Monday. It's like, you don't, during that accountability process, all the same things are going to happen. Like if that, if, if a sailor was popped for drugs, it's like, they're going home anyway. So yeah, you don't you have need to, to beat them too. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to beat them down while it's <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of times where leaders just feel like there's a there's a like demeanor or like a a character that like a demeanor they're supposed to have or like a character they're supposed to play in those mm-hmm. moments. And it's like, no, just be nice. Who cares? Like, no, it's not gonna it's not gonna change the outcome That's except right. for that sailor m- will have a better taste in their mouth walking out the door probably, and then just be a better contributing member of society yeah Yeah. just have a have a better view of the navy on their way out the door not feel like everybody that they've been super close with over the past however many years all of a sudden all at once alienated them because that can lead to some really dark places and uh, yeah let's let's uh (laughs) let's toss a name out there that probably would feel comfortable talking about it like the first time you reached out to fleet master chief paul kingsbury and he was like yeah Yeah. let's let's hook up let's talk let's yeah let's move this needle in the right direction to benefit sailors right uh same with me you know i'll give him a plug uh you know the cutlass podcast that that's what he's all about is leadership and development but there's an example of leading through humility, right? Like he could have said, yeah. hey, hey, dude, I'm pretty busy. I'm a I got fleet a- master chief. <laughs> exactly. But he didn't. He was like, yeah, actually, no, he's that dude he's came to amazing. my house, man. He came to my house yeah. and like we had coffee and it was great. Yeah. So well, that and he's like, we did when I was on his podcast recently, he was like thanking me for mentoring him. Yeah. <laughs> like as he learned how to do his podcast stuff, he was like, Same you here. were the one of the ones I listened to and I really appreciate your mentorship. And I'm like hearing him say it and it just sounds strange, but that's, yeah. I mean, I do that to people all the time. Like I'll thank somebody for teaching me how to do something. And it's like, 
because I've been around so long, a lot of those conversations are in that type of a direction where it's like I'm talking to a junior chief or I'm talking to a first class or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes both yeah, ways. Man. Yeah. So what is the difference between the first definition of pride and the second? And then what happens when pride gets bad? And you kind of touched on the hubris piece a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've, I don't even know if we need to answer this one. We should uh, just to do our due diligence, but I think we've yeah. already really kind of talked yeah, about that. Yeah, no, I think we did. I just, I felt like you had a story you wanted to touch on. I just want to make sure we had, we had done Oh, that. sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously everybody, uh, anybody that has listened to my episode on, on your platform. Uh, yeah. So a good example of when pride gets bad is when you, <laughs> you, you do what I did, right? Your positive feedback loop is that you're doing so well and you're doing more and for me, it was, I was getting trophies at Ironman distance triathlon and I was crushing the Navy, so to speak. I, you know, I, I say that with no hubris. I just say that that's my, that's, that was what yeah. it looked like through my lens. Right. Yeah. That's uh, a super important point that like, because I talk about that a lot where bad behaviors and like the, the wrong trajectory are often validated through things like awards, evals, promotions, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And so like, yeah, they, everybody's like, oh, I must be doing everything right because I keep getting all this validation. So it's right. like, yeah, man, that, that's how you can. Yeah. When pride gets bad, I think what happens is you start making negative, uh, either negative coping mechanisms or negative or, or harmful decisions. You're a little cavalier in your decisions. Maybe you don't think things through. You trust yourself maybe too much. Right. And again, we're all on the spectrum somewhere. You should trust yourself to make a decision. But if you're not actually, uh, following through with procedural compliance. Uh, obviously what happened to me is, you know, I went through the lowest part of my life where I was contemplating suicide every day because right. I had made a horrible mistake, right. That ruined my career, my marriage, and effectively uh, put me in a downward spiral for quite honestly, five years, man. It was, it was pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's what happens when pride gets bad is if you don't hurt yourself. And even if you hurt yourself, what ends up happening is you're hurting those around you by doing that. Um, yeah. So much going on there uh, with it's cliche for a reason to put your own oxygen mask on and pay attention to, you know, what's going on. Are you having excessive pride and is that hurting people around you? Uh, even even don't be so selfish to think it's all about you and how you're suffering because people aren't doing what you think they should be doing. And you're you're a go getter and you're bad. Right. And, you know, I think sometimes if we allow that to happen, it can not only hurt you but it can hurt those around you. And it, let's just take it off the ship, right? I mean, that could hurt your family. Uh, it, it, it's a trickle down effect. So, yeah. Yeah, man. So next question. So this one, I think we've, between the two of us in these past questions, we've answered already, but I'm just going to read it so that people are aware where we're at. But how do, you, how do your sailors view you, humble, prideful, or arrogant? And then for, for you, how do you get that raw feedback? Are you sure their view is accurate? And then what do you do with that viewpoint? Actually, this is a good question. Um, yeah, so yeah. the only the only way to know this is probably the most important question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the only way to know how your sailors view you is by having open communication with them and talking to them on a daily basis and not worrying about unless you have a meeting to go to. Like, don't don't just shoo shoo them away. You know, like sit down, have a meaningful conversation at length, and that that's how you that's how you know. And that's how you get that raw feedback, right? That's why you're on Reddit because you want to know the raw feedback. Yeah. You want to know, <laughs> you want to know like what is really going on. Uh, oh, and I think, Reddit. I think it's, 
it's almost impossible to say if their view is accurate or not, because who cares? That's their view. And if it's their truth, then there's some truth there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if, what do you mean if their view is accurate? It's accurate to them. Therefore it matters. Yeah. Uh, That's a huge point mm -hmm. where it's like, I, I, when I argue with people about this, it's like, does it matter? Like, because if they perceive me as unapproachable, but I'm like, well, I'm approachable. So it doesn't matter. Like, if they view me as unapproachable, I'm unapproachable for like, cause there's some, there's something I'm doing that's making me unapproachable to them. So it's like hilarious to me when people rationalize their way out of certain things like that. Like we, I briefed every time I briefed a command climate survey at Simeo, the triad was like explaining away a lot of the comments. Cause I'd be in the office with COXO and, and CMC. Right. And so I'm like briefing it. And they're like explaining away all the comments that are about like senior leadership. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's not no. Like if they perceive there to be a problem, especially one, if there's like a trend of comments all about one person, and it's like statistics don't a, lie. Yeah. yeah, clearly there's a problem here. And they're like, well, I'm not like that. I'm like, that might be true. But 20 people perceive you to be that way. So we have a, a significant portion of the crew, like 10% of the crew thinks you're that way. So they're uh, acting and, as if you are, you know what I mean? And also, and also I think I try not to say, but statements, uh, yeah. I'm, this isn't a knock on you for saying that. I, I understand uh, completely worse. what you're saying, but where I'm going with that is that, as you said, I'm not, I'm not like that. Right. Well, that may be true. And what is also true, you yeah. know, what else? That's what a better is, way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. What else is also true? Like, I agree. Yeah. You're not like that. And what is also true is that many sailors think you're like that. So what are we going to so do? What are we going to do that? about it? Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's yes. a perfect way of phrasing it. I actually like that mm -hmm. better. Thank you. But yeah, it's like that. I think that's a a big piece of it is like it, it's it doesn't actually matter. I was listening to David Goggins book. Can't hurt me. The other, I just mm -hmm. finished it. And he was talking about that like he was reading the comments on social media about him trying to break this pull up world record and about how they were like, you're too big and your form sucks and your hands are going to shred and all this crap. And he's like, a lot of people were super mean about it. Like they were, it was really negative, like attacking type stuff. But he's like, I read it all anyway, because even though they're, they're being negative and they're attacking me and telling me that I'm not going to do it, there's also some truth in there. Right. And that's kind of how I look at things like Reddit or that's kind of how I would look at that type of feedback. Like even if because a lot of like the CO suggestion box feedback we would get on the boat was this second class was venting. Right. But he was also trying to tell us something. Right. And so it's like, uh, yeah, it did come across super insubordinate and like disrespectful and just crazy because he knew it was anonymous. But there's a reason that he sat down or and how about the and what also is true. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> he sat down at that computer for a reason. There's a reason right. why he's that upset. There's like a, a thing he was trying to communicate to us through all that vitriol. And it's like, you got to take time to read that stuff. And that's what Goggins was saying. He's like, I found a lot of truth in that and things that helped me break that pull up world record, even though a lot of that stuff was negative. He's like, I found a theme where everybody was saying that my form was wrong. So what's wrong about my form? So he would distill it down to what about what they're saying could be true based on a trend. And then let me examine that and see if they're right. He found a lot of, a lot of improvement in that. And so I feel like it, it's almost like it doesn't matter how it comes across. Even it doesn't matter if it's a bunch of E4s just telling you, you suck. It's like, okay, yeah. well, 
something is true in in the feelings that they're having, even though I don't think I suck. I need to figure out why they think I suck because in their reality, that's true, right? And so it's got to be the same in mine because my only job is to lead these sailors. And if they think I suck, that's a problem. So and and if you if they were to make it more palatable, that might help as a communication skill to sure. help help it resonate. And, but, you know, what do you do with that? You, you, you do something about it, you know, and that mm. that that takes humility. They, they don't have the emotional intelligence or the, the right, language the skills yeah. to articulate it a way that I might say it. And that's just fine. I need to actually understand what they're trying to say. Maybe not getting so caught up on what their actual words that are coming out of their mouth is like, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And the and the the thing that kind of irks me is that the response when I get those types of negative responses to that type of feedback from senior leadership, especially chiefs, it's like remember where you were when you were a third class or a second class, and you were mm-hmm. twenty hours in with no sleep, and you still had more maintenance to do, and they solicited feedback for something, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna car five minutes out of my day to let them know how I feel. Like, <laughs> how, how yeah. would your how would your communication be interpreted? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I feel like of all the people that should receive that type of stuff with open arms, it should be us because we should understand what it feels like. Because I've been there. I've yeah. been the guy on no sleep that was just full of anger and rage and resentment, and it's like. Somebody asked me a question and I let them know exactly how I felt because I didn't care. I was getting out of the Navy in five minutes. So it's like you got to understand where these sailors are. And when they when they express feelings in that way, it's like that there's still a lot of value there. And if anybody if anybody's going to receive that type of communication, it should be us. I feel like we should just be sponges for it because instead of getting like getting all like, you can't talk to me like that. How dare this? And like dismissing it. And that's the types of conversations that would happen in the mess when some of the digital CEO suggestion box emails would come in. It would become almost like a, like a roast where like there's somebody he'd read parts of the email and they'd all laugh and then make fun of it and guess who it was. And it's like, no, stop it like what is the message here like yes he's he's why even do that if we're just going to dismiss it right 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 and i mean actually you're actually kind of answering the next question man uh which yeah you know what does it mean to be a leader as a chief petty officer in regards to service and humility that's exactly what you're talking about you know yeah it it frustrates me a lot because i if any audience should be just an open filter like just not even a filter just like an open faucet uh, like right. just give it to me just i'm ready to receive all of it definitely it not be, a check valve sh- right should yeah, be one should, way. Be, <laughs> should be the chief's mess it's like when that type of of feedback comes in i because it, it says raw feedback in that last question so it's like that I, that's us we're the ones that should receive that and then i can repackage that for to for receipt by the triad i can repackage that for receipt by the wardroom the people that are going to sign out policy the co right like i can distill that down and make it make sense and communicate it with an emotional intelligence and maturity because i've come from where they are but now i'm in this place and now i'm ready to to kind of package that all together, distill it down to the the points that they were trying to make and then go make them and be like, that's why they're so upset. Yeah. That's what, that's our function. I think too, you know, that if people knew how many conversations you're having 
right? Uh, you know, kind of going back to earlier, like people ask you about me and say, you know, is he really like that? Well, you, you know, how many conversations do you think I'm having? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of conversations that entail getting to that part where, you know, there's one hour on the D guts podcast or, uh, you're briefing the CEO, right? There were a lot of conversations that went on with that. Uh, and, and so I think that that's important to mention too. I, I kind of beat that. I got a diatribe of having meaningful conversations. I mean, that's what this <laughs> podcast is all about, right? Having right. meaningful conversations. So that's part of the job as well as having those conversations. So, yeah. So the, the next slide is, is, and for those following along, make sure you're that there's images that are going to be important to the conversation, but it's talking about a spectrum of pride when viewing that, like, where do you think you stand on this spectrum? And this is a question that the selectees that go through the, the, the training will discuss amongst themselves as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, like, I think we both kind of know where we're, we think we're at, wh- whether everyone would agree or not. I don't know. But where do you think you fall on the spectrum of pride? Well, again, uh, you know, I think we're all on the spectrum. It's interesting that this coming up, right. cause I wrote this down before we even got here. Um, <laughs> uh, I did skim through this a little bit, but I, you know, I'm, I'm reading this for the first time and I'm like, this is great because yeah. that's exactly how I view it is. It's not a, it's not a, but statement. It's not a, if, if, or, or, and, or it's, you know, it's an, and I'm sorry, it's nuanced. Right. Right. Um, I would say I would consider myself pretty humble. I would mm. say that the issue was that it took me making a huge life altering catastrophic decision to get there. Yeah. Right. right. And that's, that's what I tried. That's, that's my whole like purpose in life. Now, actually I, I have it written down <laughs> my, what my purpose in life is. And I won't bore you guys with all those details, but it's basically to be a net gain to others. Like even if it's yeah. 1% or a hundred percent, I want my net gain. When I die, I don't want them to say Jeff Bayless was a good boss mate and made the rank of Lieutenant and, these are all what he did in the world. I want people to say Jeff Bayless was a good guy and like helped out yeah. a lot of people and really cared and took time to listen and uh, reflect uh, introspectively. That's funny that you say that, man. Because I, I thought it was you. The thing he asked me was like, how do you, effectively, like, how do you want to be remembered? Like, what do you what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? That was and me. Was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it you? OK, I was yeah. like, I forget who asked me that question, but I was like, I. I was like, God, I don't know. Like, I don't, I've never, I've never really thought about it, to be honest with you. Like, I know that question is a question people ponder, but like, I've never really cared about the legacy piece of it enough to really dwell on it. Like, I know it's a thing and I'll probably, it's, I guess it was something I thought I'd think about when I was old or something like, but yeah, man. And I remember sitting there thinking about it for a second and I was like, I, like he just wanted to help. Like I, that's yeah. cause that's, that's how I look at all of this stuff is just like, if I can help one person, I will continue doing this podcast. Even if there's just one E4 somewhere sitting there absorbing all this stuff and, and letting me know that, yeah, this is helping quite a lot. Like I'd keep doing it. Well, that's why they call it servant leadership, right? Um, we, we don't do this for us. You know, this, where, what are we at? Like 56 minutes like this? I'm not, yeah. you know, <laughs> this, this is, this is definitely for others. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's why we do the things we do is, is servant leadership, just to yeah. try to facilitate and optimize and hockey stick up, uh, you know, our fellow, uh, not only our sailors, but our families, like anybody we come into contact with. Again, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So Yeah, man. Um, the spectrum thing, I think, is interesting, too, because I'm sitting here looking at it and it's like there's parts of this that I'm like, yeah, that's me and that's me. But I'm also think I'm humble. So it's like like there's times where. 
I undervalue myself and that I'm submissive and excessively modest and have poor self-esteem and lack confidence. Like, and I, there's, I've been battling those five things and probably some other stuff. The, the cook thing on submarines is, is like a constant, um, Mm -hmm. like my, my last Cobb said I was super defensive all the time. And I'm, that's why it's cause like I've been constantly underestimated, told I'm less intelligent, told like, like there you'll constantly, you like, you'll, you'll chime in on a conversation about like ships control or topside line handling or something like that. And they'll be like, Mm. you know about that cookie. All you do is burn stew. And it's like, they think they're joking and I get it. But then there's a part of them that's really not joking that really believes there's a little truth. Yeah. Yeah. That really believes we're stupid. And that's I've what had makes, a lot of that's what makes jokes funny, right? I mean, kind of. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. like at the same time, it's like I it's one of those things where it's like if you told a joke about and I know I know everybody experiences this. Like I know you guys get like knuckle dragon boatswain's mate jokes and Marines. Jesus. All they do Eating is eat crayons. crayons. We know. Yeah. yeah. Like it's eventually t- for me, it was like the there were too many instances of me having those types of conversations or getting treated a certain type of way or whatever that had, it wasn't a joke. It was like, I was getting treated that way because I was valued as less than. And it was like, yeah, it was created a complex. (laughs) Like, so all of those things, it's like, I, I find myself in moments, like as I'm qualifying Cobb right now, I find myself feeling like I'll almost like I'll never be ready. And that I have this fear of when I report on board a submarine that some 1120 nuclear trained line officer is going to be like, Oh, I got to cook Cobb. Really? And you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and that's not me. Ju- it's not only me creating an idea in my head. It's like, there's a guy out there that's retiring right now as a command master chief that experienced that exact thing when he checked in to be a cop. And mm-hmm. so it's like, Will it happen? It's probably not, you know, most likely not, but it could. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I have those, those like insecurities. And then on the arrogant side of it, like there's times where somebody would tell you that I'm aggressive and hostile and that I'm self-absorbed and self-serving. So like, it's interesting to see it and to, to wonder, it's like, I almost feel like there's, you can't point at it and be like, Oh, I'm right here. Cause it's like tomorrow I might be to the right of that. And tomorrow I might be to the left of that. And it probably, it probably moves throughout a day for me. Yeah. Um, Another thing I, that came up as you were talking and I was listening to what you're saying about, you know, being on the spectrum somewhere, you know, I, I think what you're kind of describing too, maybe is a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? Whereas, yeah, you know, for sure. Wh- why me? Am I good enough to do this? I've, I've heard you talk about it on the podcast before too. Like, why do I get this opportunity? And I've, yep. I've definitely had imposter syndrome getting up in front of 3000 people, man. That's, that's, you want to yeah. slice a humble yeah. pie. There you go. <laughs> I think what you have to do with situations like that is we say manage expectations all the time in the Navy. And actually that's deeper and more profound than probably people think because if you have expectations and those expectations aren't met, then you're only going to be left with resentment, heartache, shame, sorrow. Yeah. Right. If you have standards, however, I'm, I maintain standards. Uh, and yep. that may, that may mean I'm, I'm very careful with my words between expectations and standards, but even specifically with myself. So I think what you're talking about sometimes what can lead to this state where, you know, the humility, uh, overrides your ability to do good is when you have these expectations that may not 
ever, I mean, that's what anxiety is, right? That is right. the definition of anxiety or post-traumatic <laughs> stress. Post-traumatic stress is assuming that the worst case scenario is always going to happen. And that's why those two always go together. So, or maybe not always, but m- most times, I'm not a yeah. doctor. Unless, disclaimer, I'm only speaking <laughs> for myself, not the Navy, not the doctors. Yeah. And, uh, but I think we need to manage our own expectations, have high standards, but manage our own expectations and don't always assume the worst case scenario. And that'll allow you to land somewhere healthy on this spectrum of pride and humility. Yeah, man. And that's, I'm trying to do exactly that, but. Oh, you uh, do it. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be doing this if you weren't, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, definitely. Give yourself a little yeah. credit. Have a little pride. I, I, like. I, I do. I do. So the, and we t- already talked about which attribute in the humble comedy you feel you're lacking the most. I think that like mm-hmm. we, we kind of hit all that, but some attributes related to the left side of the spectrum can be necessary tools as a chief petty officer, which, which I would agree in moderation, but the, the one that I'm going to, kind of be nervous about is when it goes the other direction. But for example, it requires a large dose of humility to own and execute orders you may not personally agree with, but this is sometimes necessary to fill the Navy's mission. And then it says, can you think of other examples when executing executing the mission required you to show humility? Who can't? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, who, who hasn't experienced a time when you didn't agree with the decision, but you had to own it and do it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that happens all the time. Uh, it, I. I had a CO. My last CO was not, he wasn't a bad guy, but I think the it, with any of these, these COs and uh, I don't know if it's different on submarines, but it probably not. It, but the burden of command can warp a person's perception of reality. Sure. And just because of the pressure and like the anxiety and the, Oh my God. And like, there's, I guess there's this pretty well known, like, as a CO gets towards the end of their tour, they get more and more paranoid about what could happen and where I could get fired. I've had a successful tour. Everything's gone great. And now I'm like well, six months out. It's always the first three <laughs> months or the last three months, right? Yeah. And so there were times where I was in the CO stateroom getting berated for something that was not even true. <laughs> and it was like I had my ensign supply officer standing next to me. And it's like, hmm couple different ways I could deal with this, but I've got my ensign supply officer standing next to me. And so it was almost like it probably saved me from doing something stupid a few times, but it was, I understood that in that moment, the mission was to say, I, sir, and I take responsibility for it. And then he continued to tell me that I was an idiot and that basically like I was falling on my sword, even though I had done all the things I was supposed to do. And he just decided to perceive it as I was like lying to him and making stuff up. And I never told him this thing that I told him, even though I did like five times in front of a bunch of people. But, and I like walked around to check myself too. I'm like, you guys were all at the same brief. I was at right. Where like I briefed him on this and <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. And I had five different people confirming it, but like had to rack my supply officer out, go to the, his state room, get berated. And it's just like, afterwards I had to put her back together again while my own ego's bruised and I'm fuming because I want to tell him a whole bunch of expletives about how he can pack sand, but, and how like I'm a grown up to you talking to me like this is super inappropriate, but. Right. Um, well, I think, but you know, they're, in, they're, they're, go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. I was just going to say in that moment, the mission was showing my future department head and like junior supply officer, how to deal with that type of a situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like they say, 
you know, you want to be happy or do you want to be uh, right? You know, <laughs> I think sometimes it's counterintuitive and this requires a, a bunch of humility when you have a sailor that say wants to, for me, it might be uh, organize a gear locker or something that way. Right. And there's a certain way that I would want it. There's a certain way that I would do it. I want the grade B shackles over here. I want those labeled. I'd like for you to spray paint this orange. So we know these are the grade B, these are the grade A. Yeah. And then, and then they go in there and they do it a different way that you would do it, but it still accomplished the mission. Yeah. And it's counterintuitive because you're like, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. But actually what happens is now that I exercise a little humility and allowed that sailor, and this is a very minor thing. I mean, this could carry over to any facet of your life uh, or any facet of your career in the Navy. If you allow someone, if you can step down from your pedestal a little bit and allow them the creative ability to do, you know, obviously if it's 3M, they got to follow the PMS card. I'm not saying deviate from doctrine, but where you can allow someone to do it a different way that you would do it, even though you've done it for 20 years and you know the best way to do it, let them do it. Two things happen. One, they'll learn through the process, right? They'll learn through doing it that this could have been better a different way, right? The second thing, maybe you provide them that feedback and say, Hey, you know, I would have done it this way, but this works too. But maybe next time consider doing it this way if, or not like this still works, you know, but this yeah, is how I've done yeah. it in the past, but this is fine. We'll leave it like that. Uh, yeah. And then this, the second thing is now they have ownership, right? Like now they're For like, sure. they're like yep. heck yeah, this is my gear locker. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was going to say like the, the letting them do it their way. It's like, who's going to be using that gear locker more <laughs> Yeah, you or the E5 that you had organized it. And so it's well, like, yeah, they're going to guess they're going to who's going to be it. the yeah, they're going to do it better. Well, I guess who would be the better uh, or the, who's going to be the security patrol officer of that gear locker now? <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have to police it because they are. Right, because they're, they're going to do it because it's their locker. Yeah. Yes. Yep, uh-huh. 100%. Um, so the next the next one is the some attributes related to arrogance can be used in a positive way, especially as a chief. Some examples include boldness or questioning norms. I'm immediately going to stomp all over this this Mm -hmm. concept of anything on the right side being used in a positive way especially as a chief because what you have here is self-absorbed and self-serving nothing positive about that at all unless you wanted to like warp it to mean like self-care and making sure that you're good or something but that's not what that means they just use the wrong. They just use the wrong word. Yeah, they should have said confidence. Yeah, which they have above the humble one, right? So you have self-aware, listens to, uh, listens to learn, takes responsibility for their actions, thinks deliberately, confident and authentic. So you have like in within the humble part of the spectrum, you have like the positive versions of all this stuff. So the only one in here that I feel like comes close is aggressive. I guess maybe sometimes defensive, but. Uh, I would say assertive over aggressive. Right. Which it says, I mean, you have confident and authentic, I guess. I guess confidence would be would be where you would get assertive. But yeah, I I mean, there's times where I think aggression is useful for sure. Um, Not so much hostility. Uh, Crave spotlight. No. Entitled. No. Defensive. eh, Maybe. But I feel like you could define that better. And then obsessed with dominance, like unless we're talking about maritime dominance, that's stupid. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, just yeah. can't I just can't get there in my head. None of those things are positive yet. I, I agree with you. Like had they used different words, I might be able to get on board with. There are the, times 
Yeah, I get the intent, but yeah, yeah, they they use the wrong words. Yeah. There are times where like I've told people this. I think I've told you this and I've told a lot of other people as I've described like my whole cancer diagnosis and then like the treatment process. Once I got to the it was like a university hospital. I got referred because it was a it's a rare form of cancer and military treatment facilities don't usually deal with that. So. They referred me to where I would get the best care. God bless them. Uh, so I went to a university hospital and it was like the best hospital in the state with like a crazy cancer center. Really, really good doctors. I walk in the room to talk to the the ENT surgeon and the neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. And it was like what I would I've never done it, but it's like it's what I would imagine talking to a fighter pilot would be like, hmm. like. They were positive they were going to cure the crap out of me. Like they were mm-hmm. just like that we're going to this is going to happen. This is going to happen. We got these things we got to do. Gave me like like a, a perspective plan of action. All the prereqs we have to meet first. Once we do, we'll firm up the plan. These are the main th- goals. We're going to these are what we're going to do to execute them and it's going to work. <laughs> and it was like Almost arrogant. I would like they I you could probably describe them as arrogant if you wanted to. I feel like it was just like they were just really, really good at what they did. And so they in in communicating to me that like I left there positive that they were gonna cure the crew. Like I I never left medical with a bigger warm fuzzy, man. Like it was like So I feel like like you could say there uh, is a piece of arrogance that could be positive in certain situations where I want the best guy to possibly be in that position in that position. So if I have somebody that is borderline arrogant because they actually are that good and and but they also are constantly in pursuit of that excellence by being humble enough and self-aware enough and and all those things to to get I better still, it's like i still wouldn't use maybe. to use your to use your analogy i still wouldn't use the word arrogance i would say yeah, that it's like i would borderline. say that yeah <laughs> what i would say is there's a uh there's a value in having a positive mental attitude with your ability to do the job right wayne gretzky right. you know michael jordan all of these great athletes right they believed that they could achieve it and there's and you know i'm a endurance junkie so the two-hour marathon they took all these guys. This is a prime example. They, they, there's a, a Netflix documentary, about. I think it's on Netflix. Don't quote me. But the, the, the basically the, the summary is they you know ran these human specimens, like just these complete extreme athletes uh, through some training and you know high end, cost a lot of money. It was from Nike. Like Nike paid for all of it to try to break the two hour marathon. So the, the goal was two hours, right? What do you think they hit? The goal was two hours. The goal was to run a marathon in two hours. What do you think they hit? Like, I'm 201. <laughs> it was two hours. It was two hours. Exactly so, two hours. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, had they had said one. That's what I was thinking initially, but then yeah. I was like this. I always nuke those questions. I'm like, I feel <laughs> yeah. like this is, I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> like, like, so I'm no. trying to like outsmart myself, but like, what yeah. I, it, what I'm saying is like there's power and positive mental attitude. So they believe right. they could run a two hour marathon and guess what they did. They ran a two hour marathon, not a one fifty nine, yeah. not a two Oh one going into the next question. Can you think of times when performing on the arrogant side of the spectrum can be necessary? I wouldn't say again, I wouldn't say arrogant, but confident. And where I go with that is in a moment of danger, 
Uh, I've told this story. I don't know if it was on your platform or not, but I was doing a pretty sexy uh, deployment where uh, <laughs> we were doing counter drug interdiction in South America. It was so cool, man. I had like yeah. Coast Guard boats, Riverine boats, my boats, and I'm just launching helicopters. Yeah. And like, dude, it was like the time of my life. I, I got maybe three hours of sleep that whole deployment. Um, yeah every five seconds, like something's going off and popping. It was so great. Yeah. And, the, and the chaplain came down to the boat deck and he super good dude. Like, I yeah. mean, we're still good friends. I, I love this guy. And he comes out to the boat deck cause in the middle of the night because he wants to connect with the sailors and check in and he was doing his job. Yeah. Are you guys okay? Like, is everybody, you know, can I get you some coffee? And, uh, so I'm lifting, I'm hoisting this boat. We're well out of parameters, right? Yeah. <laughs> this boat's like sliding across the boat deck. Sailors are going everywhere. And we could have a whole nother conversation on ORM and, you know, yeah. when mission dictates, <laughs> you kind of validate that, right. Or, uh, violate that. But I yelled across the boat deck at the captain. I'll, I'll tee it up because you might have to bleep this out. But I was like, chaps, get the F out of here. Well, I felt so bad later because I yelled at a chaplain and I'm a Christian, yeah. you know, yeah. like, <laughs> and I said the F word, you know, like I could have just said chaps, you know, move. I didn't have time yeah. to explain why or anything because he right. was in an unsafe space and I was actually right. worried that he was going to get hurt. So that, that would be a time when performing the arrogant side of the spectrum is necessary when somebody's life is in danger or you just don't have time to explain it. Like, yeah, you know, do this now because right. if you don't, you're going to get hurt. And I can see from the, the 30,000 foot view that I have that that's going to happen. Cause it may yeah. not be that I'm smarter than you or that even more experienced. It's that that's what I tell divos when they're qualifying like deck safety observer. I'm like, look, mm. you don't need to be an expert to know what's safe or not. And also if you just stand up here and are looking down and you see me doing something, I want you to yell at me that what I'm doing is unsafe because you have a different viewpoint. You Vanish have a different point, yeah. vantage yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we'll move on to humility and the CPO creed, like kind of linking some of that stuff together. So uh, what is the phrase, it is far more about what you do than what you say mean to you? Has your performance during these past few weeks been the reflection of a confident leader? And so that's obviously directed at a chief select. But for you specifically, the question, what is the phrase, it is far more about what you do than what you say? I almost disagree with this statement altogether. I think they both really? matter. Yeah, I think they I both matter. I do too. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what I don't, I guess you could, if you were, you're being generous when you read it, it's not that it's saying it does, what you say doesn't matter, but it's right. saying what you do is more important than what you say. Well, mood follows action and actions. I don't want to say you can fake it till you make it, but mood follows action. And also you can behave your, or your way into a habit, right? So uh, obviously, for those two reasons alone, because you can behave your way into something that's positive, yeah. you know, like I'd go down the rabbit hole and this is kind of getting on a health and fitness kick, but it's like, okay, once you vision yourself as someone that is a runner or as a, you know, let's say you want to be, this is why people put titles on diets, right? Like I'm a vegan, I'm a pescatarian, yeah. I'm a carnivore, right? Because you can, mood follows action. So once you are that person that does those things, then you start to believe it, right? It, it gives you that positive feedback loop. So it is more important what you do, because what I would say, too, is if you say something and you don't do it, well, that's bad. <laughs> well, yeah. And I was going to say, too, like I, I'm I'm hung up on it a little bit, too. Not I, be, And I think it's because I when you're looking at and defining what you do, that can involve things that you say. Right. So like mm -hmm. a sailor is going to 
remember a negative experience as what chief did to me because they're going to feel wronged and hurt and there's going to be a scar tissue there. And it's going to just be based on some things you said, like where mm-hmm. you slighted them or you said that said something to them that or like snapped at them or whatever that it yeah, that what stayed we're doing with them and just- it was negative. What we're doing now is just saying things to each other, right? I mean, right. And I, th- right. I feel like this matters. It's something that we do. Um, yeah, but definitely, for sure. definitely, if you ever say, do as I say, not as I do, that's horrible. Never that's a, say that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's happened more than once, but like, if those words fell out of a chief's lips in front of me <laughs> and they were serious, it wasn't like a tongue in cheek thing or like some right. joke in the moment. I it take I'd have to like be real aware of where my hands were, man. Because that would <laughs> I would fly off the handle. Yeah. I'd have to like yeah. put them in my pockets and break that rule instead. Because assault's here, probably <laughs> dude. Worse. Here you go with the pockets again. You're I, I know, right? It always comes up once. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you've recorded a podcast. I don't think I have either. Hands in pockets <laughs> during this process. So during the initiation season, uh, they ask the question, which I, obviously neither of us have been selectees in quite some time. Uh, have mm-hmm. you thought more about yourself or others? Give examples. So if you can remember that far back, like when you were going through the process or even just in the in the act of being a chief, because that's really that's the whole point of the training season. Did you find yourself thinking more of others or of yourself? I think this is actually a really good question. They should have put this at the top of the slide um, <laughs> b- because, OK, I, on the first. So as you're going through your career from. Not for everyone. I don't want to, uh, or an exemption to exception. everyone. Exception. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. You know, but for the most part, from E1 to E6, my experience, I'll just be honest and let me just not speak for anybody else. For me, I was worried about me. Even if that was like, I wanted my division to do well, I wanted my sailors to promote, but it was really more so that I could put Dude, that I qualified yeah. 10 ESWA sailors, right? Right. right. The, the way, but even the way that the, evaluation and advancement system is set up. It's like you're conditioned to be worried about you through E6. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that was, I would say that that's the pivot there was when I made chief in 2009, uh, I started to think of others over myself. Um, And that was, that was an epiphany. That was a realization. And then maybe some years later, as I'm doing introspective work, I decided too that you need to lead yourself uh, so that you can think of others, right? Um, so I think kind of like you were saying, one day you might be on this end of the spectrum, one day you might be on another. I think with this one, it as you go through time, like E1, E6, you may have only thought of yourself. And then as you're a new chief, all you think about is others, maybe to the detriment of your family or yeah. uh, you know, at the detriment of some other positive thing that could have benefited your, other people. I mean, yourself too. Like there's a, you just said, we got to lead ourselves to lead others. And it's like, I talk to my CMC a lot about how horrible I am at balance. Like I, when I right. get shore duty, it's a little easier. And I think it's just because of the way I was wired in the Navy is to think that shore duty is supposed to be when I take breaks. So it's almost like I'll give myself permission to take breaks on shore duty. Um, like I gave myself permission to be treated for cancer and recover. And I was like, it's okay. You don't have to freak. <laughs> like, but like, yeah. I, I, I it's okay to take a knee. Well, when I you take a, a knee, you come back that. stronger, yeah. you know, you come yeah, back stronger. Yeah. When I'm on sea duty though, like there's no such thing, man. And like to the point that 
I usually get in like crap shape and, and like I'll go back to a submarine in great shape because I was on shore duty and I get myself to that point. And then when I go back to a unit, man, it's like all bets are off. Everything is just like give, 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 give to the mission, yeah. to the to the ship, to the sailors, to the everybody. And it's just like I've historically been God awful at balancing, taking care of myself so that I can take care of sailors and just thinking that there's a bottomless pit to give from, you know, right. and it's, it's, there's, there's not, and I've been well, look, in some, some dude, sticky you're, you're places. You're singing my song. Result. Like, look, yeah. look at my whole story. You know, I mean, I was going so hard in that eventually if I had taken a knee and gotten the mental health uh, work that I needed to do, if I had uh, gone to therapy, talked about my childhood stuff, my trauma in the Navy, which I'm not super open about um, yeah. stuff stuff in the Navy just because it involves other people that have careers and stuff. But my personal stuff and with everything that happened in my life, had I just taken a knee and gone and gotten the help that I needed, you'd be talking to Lieutenant Commander Bayless that is doing right. really well, <laughs> able to help a lot of people. I would have come back and provided the Navy a lot more uh, positive, but it's counterintuitive because we think if we take a knee like you, like, dude, you had cancer. It's yeah. okay to go get the help you need. See, but this is, we, 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 we and bifurcate you it. You know, you we say bifurcate that it. like it's, you say that like it's supposed to resonate with me. Like, cause I know like people without cancer are going to think, well, holy crap. Like, but I didn't think about it. Like, I'm like, I'm sick, not dead. Give me something to do. Like I got an NFCI <laughs> computer at home. Like I didn't, and I had my doc, he's a, he's a corpsman master chief, had to literally like talk to me like I was a seaman. He's like, no, you will not do work. You will focus on your recovery. Yeah. You will notice I did not ask you a question or provide you with any type of option during that yeah. Yeah. two sentences. Like, and so I'm just like, all right, roger that. And I like, I, I had to be told as a senior chief yeah. with 18 years in the Navy, I had to be told. Sure. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. You know, I, I think we need people like that in our lives, though, that do give us that yeah, objective perspective, sure. because for sure it's it's it. I mean, everything is subjective. I, I have a philosophy about this subjectivity and I won't like go on the whole diatribe about it. But there is definitely some argument to be made that everything is nuanced. Everything is subjective. Yeah. And there is a there is a conversational way to get to the win. Um, and sometimes that means you need somebody like that mass chief corpsman that told you objectively, Hey man, you need to do this. Like you need to take a knee and work on you, uh, and, and come back stronger. So it's counterintuitive, but come back stronger. So you can continue to kick butt for us. All right. I'm, I'm giving you an order to get well. It's kind of like uh, with COVID, yeah. right. Or, you know, people are like, I think this is going to be a whole, I'm not, I don't want to go on a whole COVID thing, but there is going to be a new understanding of if you're sick, don't come to work. Yeah. Like if you're sick, we don't want you here. Like you're not helping me by being sick and getting everybody else sick. Like, wait, 20 years ago, a sick day. Are you serious? Like I can yeah. call in sick now. <laughs> yeah. What? Thanks, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So the, these, these pieces are going to be related to the creed. So I'm going to read some quotes real quick. So during the course of initiation, you have been caused to humbly accept challenge and face adversity. You must face each challenge and adversity with the same dignity and good grace you've already demonstrated. More will be expected of you. More will be demanded of you. Uh, and so it, it's some statements I'm going to make as far as like thinking about those excerpts is one of the challenges that many chiefs face is the temptation to feel like you have arrived. 
Mm -hmm. Chief Petty Officer anchors carry an inherent credibility. We are charged with earning the right to wear this uniform, not just during the process, but every single day. A common phrase in the CPO mess is remember where you came from. This is meant to humble the chief to remind us that we are not above menial tasks. So the question is, have you placed your sailors' needs and successes before your own? When was the last time you gave your sailors an accolade? And have you engaged with them since finding your name on the selection list? I'll get to that in a second. I want to spend some time talking about those two points of feeling like you've arrived and remembering where you came from. So perfect. Go, I'll let you start okay, with the, yeah. the feeling um, of arrival. I was going to do that one. Maybe I'll let you do um, where you came from. Okay. Uh, where, where I feel about the uh, arrival thing, you hear about these guys that are wallflowers, you know, they put it on and then they quit, right? They, they yeah. became wallflowers in the mess. You, and Hey, it happens, man. Like I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There are guys and gals that put it on and they're every time you go into the mess to get a drink of water or every time you go into the, the wardroom to get a quick meal before you hit, hit the deck plates again, they're always in there, right? So you already know if they're in there, <laughs> you know, every time you go in there, yeah. then they're not, they quit, right? Or they're, they're just leading by negation, right? They're just waiting for someone to come report something to them instead right. of giving that active uh, feedback in the moment. And so, you know, I think that where I go in the mantra, I would like to highlight for that specific topic would be earn it every day, earn it every yeah. day, even yep. to the last day. Oh, you're transferring today. Good job. But we'll let you leave at lunch a little bit early, but come muster your sailors, <laughs> you know, come talk to them, earn it every day. I feel like I need to earn even out of uniform with my kids, with my wife, with my life, man, I just, I got to earn it every day, every day. You should earn the, the trust of others, the love of others, the support of a team. You, you, if you just think that it's going to happen because you're wearing anchors or you're wearing khakis or you got commissioned and now that people have to listen to you, you completely lost the whole process. It it fell on deaf ears. So that's, that's what I would say. Just earn it every day. The frustrating piece for me too is the it it's they're very much linked, but remembering where you came from is the mechanism I would think would prevent chiefs from thinking that they've arrived, where it's like I don't understand how it happens. I have a really hard time making the leap in my head from from being a junior enlisted sailor, working your way up to first class, however long that took. And then putting on anchors and just thinking you're somehow better than everyone else or you somehow don't need to now be a part of your division or work center or whatever and taking care of those. It's like it's your only job is to take care of the sailors. And do you really think you're best positioned to do so by sitting in the mess or by going home early or by doing whatever the things you're doing that demonstrate this I've arrived mentality? It's like talking about remembering where you came from is important to me because it's like, I, that's what I, I feel like we spend too much time in the CPO pride stuff to the effect that junior sailors think we forgot where we came from. And I think that if you polled a hundred junior sailors, 80 of them would think that most chiefs forgot where they came from the day they put on anchors. Like they got mm. the little men in black zapper going and, and we just <laughs> like got brainwashed and in, into the, yeah. and, and, and indoctrinated into the, the chiefs mess culture. And I don't think that's true, but I think that we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot almost in like a PR perspective where it's like some of the things that we do through the mechanism of like CPO pride stuff through the mechanism of, 
making too much of initiation season secret of doing too much behind closed doors that doesn't need to be. Not that there isn't a function of that. I will forever think that we need a space to close the door and do chief things, but not probably not to the extent that we do. There's a lot of things that I think you could shed some daylight on, even if it's just like, and and a lot of commands do this. This is like the example that pops into my mind, like pulling first classes into DRBs as a training thing, not board eligible first classes, not chief selects, even though those are valuable, like I'm talking like just grab a, a, any first class that you think that this would be of value to, because then they're going to go tell everybody else, oh, yeah, you know, DRBs, that thing you th- you thought it was where it was just a YFG speech and all they did was like destroy the guy's soul and then send him to mass. It's like that's not actually what it is. And I well, it's not, it that's ha- not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> right. And yeah. again, yeah, like you, you presume that the mess that is bringing a first class in to see it is doing it the right way. But. I don't think by and large that that's what it is, but I think that's how it's perceived based on a lot of junior sailors sharing negative experiences. And so it's just like, that's what gets passed around. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's 50, 50, maybe the majority. I don't know. I can't speak. I haven't been a fly on the wall in, in all of the messes to be able to judge it accurately. But I just think that there's things we could shed more daylight on by doing stuff like that. So that the sailors understand that, we're not like we haven't completely forgotten like we know and we use that experience every single day and in doing things to take care of them that they just don't get to see well and it would reinforce the integrity of the the process right for sure the transparency the vulnerability i was uh, thinking about maybe relating it to your cancer experience as far as putting it on and quit right or you know or thinking you've arrived right so it's kind of interesting. I've had some other diagnosis, not, uh, I don't have cancer, uh, but what, what happened with me is I went to the doctor and then mm-hmm. after the doctor said, well, this is your diagnosis and this is what we're going to do as, as I'm leaving, I'm like, Oh, now I'm this guy with this diagnosis. Right. So for you, it's like, yeah. you know, Oh, I'm, I'm now D guts podcast with cancer. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but then you have to remind yourself, man, I'm still the same Jeff that woke up this morning. Like, right. right. I, I, I'll just have to work on this too. You know, like I'm still the same guy. Uh, I'm still the same human being. Uh, nothing changed from 1009 to 1010. You know, I just finally got the realization. And then when you understand that, then you can do something about it, right? Then you can say, okay, just because I'm a chief or just because I got a promotion more is expected of me. That's great. But I'm still the same person that I was before. I'm only six weeks later through training. Is Did that six weeks cure me? Did that give me the, did I drink the elixir now where I can slay the dragon and marry the princess? No, you're going to be a continual learner. You know, you're yeah. going to continue to grow. You're going to continue to read books about leadership and development. You're going to continue to do projects, labors of love like this to help people, to help sailors. You're going to, every conversation you're learning something, right? So you know, it's not like you just, you get that diagnosis or you get those anchors or you make that promotion or you, you, you get married and then everything's perfect, right? Oh, well, I married the love of my life. Oh, that's great. Guess what? You're, you're still, you know, it's not like you just put that on and quit. You don't put on a wedding ring and quit either, do you? So yeah. I, anyway, I, I kind of got on a tangent, but it's all relatable to other facets of your life as well. And making chief or making rank is the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an accomplishment. It's a milestone. It's a, it's a great honor and it's a humbling experience, but you don't, you don't arrive. You never arrive. I, dude, I've been searching for enlightenment and higher consciousness for the last six or seven years, and I'm not ever going to arrive. It's going to always yeah. be a process. So 
For sure, man. Yeah. So the these questions are gauged more towards chief selects, but we can d- discuss the first one of have you placed your sailors needs and successes before your own? Because it has. When was the last time you gave your sailors an accolade and have you engaged with them since finding your name on the selection list? I mean, yeah, I would hope so in the last nine years that I engage with my sailors. So it doesn't really apply to us, but have yeah. you placed your sailors needs and successes before your own? And maybe we can just discuss an example. Uh, I wouldn't say that I did at first. I wouldn't say that I did that early on in my career. Uh, I would say, actually, I think I talked about this on your podcast uh, where you interviewed me and I said, you know, if if you asked me something to the effect of, you know, if I, if I could go back, would I have still put in the conditioning package or something like that? Like, would I do it over again? That's really a hard question to answer because you are a product of what you live through. Right. But you know, what I would say now is I would probably rather be a CMC than uh, yeah. just because I'm, I am I feel like that would be a better place for not just me, but for other people. Like, I, I think it would just benefit more people for me to do that. And so with that, what I'm saying is, uh, no, that was a lesson that I had to learn to, to yeah. do that. Uh, it wasn't innate in me early on. I wish it was. I wish I could tell you that I was always just the generous guy that cared about people and listened to them about their problems, but probably I told them to shut up and color. We got work to do. You know? <laughs> um, and so, no, I, 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 I'd just be completely transparent, honest, and say that that was, that was hard for me uh, at first. But then I would say later on, um, it was the only way. That yeah, there was no I, other way. Similar answer. Like I definitely, and I think mine was more just out of like, I, it was like I wanted to, but I didn't know how, you know, like, and, oh, yeah. and so I would, I defaulted to this like aggressive screaming type of thing as an LPO that didn't work. And so I just like bumbled my way through it for a little while. And then some really great mentors played a role. And then just my continued banging my head against the wall where I was trying, I figured some stuff out just through taking lumps and then a uh, combination of the mentors, the lumps and the me taking the time to seek out, like just bettering myself through books and podcasts and all those things. It's like I eventually figured a lot of stuff out, but I, it was definitely like a hard slog. I would say like the, that year as an LPO and then probably my first year and a half as a chief, it was like, I wanted to, and I was like, just frustrated by lacking the tools to do it. And then eventually through a lot, through a lot of help and a lot of lumps, I kind of started to figure it out. So sure. We're basically at the summary. I do have a couple more questions though. So now that we've discussed humility and pride, where do you find yourself on the spectrum of pride and where do you want to be? Which I think we already know where we are, right? We discussed that already, but like, where do you want to be? Seems like an obvious question, but I'll, I'll pose it to you anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're very like-minded because I would yeah. have skipped over that first part as well. Uh, and gone, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally I'm checking agree. boxes here, man. It's on yeah. the IG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Where do you want to be? Obviously you want to be better. You want to be the perfect yeah. optimized balance of humility and pride. It's, right. it's hard to do, but you got to, you just work at it. You chip away at it. Yep. Um, it's and you want to be optimized, perfect goal. balance. Yeah. yeah. It's like mm-hmm. you, you set that goal of perfection effectively. Like I want to be right smack dab in the middle of the humility block, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, what am I ever going to be there? I mean, sometimes I might wander in there by accident and then I'll probably get pulled left or right. But yeah, uh, yeah, you just constantly, constantly working at it. 
constantly yep. you know, to at least hopefully maintain on the spectrum of humility or close to it most of the time is that's right if i were to err on one side it would probably be towards humility yeah yeah for sure and then what steps do you plan to take to become a confident humble servant leader so right i would argue that both of us are probably a version of that now, but like what steps do you plan to take to continue becoming a better, confident, humble servant leader? I think with bettering others, again, you, you need to make sure that you're the best product you can be to help others. Right. Um, so that that's been hard for me, but probably the best lesson I've learned uh, in, in being a good leader is working on myself a little bit and not making it about me. Right. Like it's bigger than me. Uh, it's bigger than, uh, quite honestly, dude, it's bigger than anybody. Uh, it's yeah. bigger than anybody on that ship. That that mission is going to happen. And so the steps I take is, you know, making sure that I'm pouring into my cup and I'm arriving at any uh, scenario to be of benefit to the best of my ability. Right. And I, I think that's what it takes, you know. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of time trying to like research and then when I research, I discuss the things I researched or like the the conversations that I've had or the experience I had. And that's one of the, the, the things that I personally get out of the podcast is just I get to have these discussions and I get to talk to all these different people about all these different things and hear their viewpoints. And there's a lot of times where people push back because I think that when I first started doing it, it was like, I got something out of it, but it was mostly just me talking about a thing. So there was no opposite viewpoint or sounding board. Yeah. I I wasn't getting any feedback unless a listener reached out. So you wouldn't uh, even have known about Brene Brown, right? I know, dude. Like, (laughs) and you're not the only one that's like giving me like things to go look at, right? Like, Hey, go read this. Hey, go like, have you heard of this? And so like, man, I take a page of notes every time I do a podcast because somebody's given me something like, Hey, have you read this article or they're talk about a thing that I need to go research? Right. Sure. Um, Same here. So yeah, like I've learned a ton. I've gotten way, way better because of it. And, and that's the, the process for me is like, I'm just, I do the research where I'm either reading or talking or like experiencing. And then I kind of, sift through that and and discuss it with people and and bounce it off the wall and see what comes back and then take what I can from it to be better you know what i mean like i find i find that every time i i like i finish a book right i'm finishing audiobooks or i'm listening to podcasts or i'm having discussions or i'm reading things it's like i find myself pulling things out of it and getting better like getting different perspectives and then but it's it's not just a static, like I'm, I'm reading an article and then that's it. Like, no, I'm reading an article and then I bring it up on a podcast and then I discuss it with people or then I'll talk to my wife about it or I'll talk to somebody at work about it or I'll, I'll do whatever. And it's like, I kind of work through the concept and, and what I read in my head and it really like solidifies and and becomes something that, Oh, I just grew from that. I got a new brain wrinkle or like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, I, uh, I find myself (laughs) getting better as a result of that cycle of, of just constantly, constantly working on it because I, well, and guess, guess who else gets better? Everyone else, you know, this project, uh, maybe as we kind of come to a natural landing, but you know, this project, what you're able to accomplish here, uh, you'll never know, it's impossible to quantify the amount of good that you're doing. Uh, the, you know, even if it's only one person, but we, we both know it's more than that. That's counterintuitive. We think we spend too much time on ourselves, <laughs> but you know, the, the work that you're doing, 
even though you get some validation out of it or you're getting better, you're getting smarter, you're listening. Like if I recommend a book, you actually act on that advice, right? You're like, well, if Jeff said it, it might be worth checking out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'll just give you a compliment, you know, like that's rare and that's well, well needed and well deserved uh, the, any accolades or validation you get for this project, because, you know, you should be proud of this work. It's, it's very, it's very necessary and uh, many people benefit from it. So man, that just, Congratulations, dude. This is this is yeah. awesome. Like you're doing a lot of good work, man. I'm super proud to be your friend and know you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh and I appreciate your time, dude. Like as always. I hope that this has the impact that I think it will. Like the teaching of the creed stuff. I think it'll be a valuable tool for expanding on the discussion. So I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, well, if, if nobody else got anything out of it, you and I did, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's yeah, good. It's good. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. All right. I hope you guys got a lot out of that. Uh, As always, I'm going to recap the excerpt from the creed that we are focused on for this lesson. Your responsibilities and privileges do not appear in print. They have no official standing. They cannot be referred to by name, number, nor file. They have existed for over 100 years. Chiefs before you have freely accepted responsibility beyond the call of printed assignment. Their actions and their performance demand the respect of their seniors as well as their juniors. Humility is obviously a, a giant topic. Uh, it's something that I love talking to Jeff about it because I feel like he has very unique perspectives based on his incredible life experiences. But I also just it's something I like exploring because I, I talk a lot about humanizing chiefs and I feel like humility is the number one and the initial building block for that. It's like you you've got to have understand and practice humility in order to be able to, to humanize yourself and not hide behind the idea or the persona of being a chief, right? Where you're, you're almost like detaching yourself from your identity as a sailor and, and reprogramming yourself to identify only as being a chief. And that is what feeds that division and distrust between junior sailors and chiefs. And so I think it's something that it's definitely worth, worth focusing on and taking the time to understand and re- constantly remind yourself, one, earn it every day, but two, keep yourself grounded and humble and, and remind yourself that you were where they are and that your job now is to use your experiences when you were where they are to make their experience better, less painful, uh, do all use those experiences to better take care of them so that they can better take care of the mission. Uh, with that, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit at DGS podcast or get on the sub and, and discuss and ask questions and, and criticize and such. Uh, looking for feedback, especially on teaching the creed. So please, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, if we can do anything better, if you have any good ideas or, or anything, just let us know. And then if you could like, share, subscribe and review on all the platforms for all the things in both social media realm and podcasting, uh, it just helps the algorithms push it to the people that need it. It lets people know that the tool is available for them uh, and if they need that help to come utilize it. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.